Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me Everything. My name's Joe Sudbay. I am guest hosting for John, and I'm going to be with you for the next seven days, and I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to cover a lot of territory, so much going on, so much happened today and last night, and I want to hear... From all of you, that's always one of my favorite parts of guest hosting is talking to the great SiriusXM Progress listeners, 866-997-4748. we got a great show lined up, but you know what I want to start with? Yesterday's elections. Yesterday's elections really have rocked the political world. Again, and part of it is what happened, a big part of it's what happened up in New York's 19th Congressional District. The 19th Congressional District was left vacant when Antonio Delgado, the Democratic incumbent, left to become the lieutenant governor. Delgado's terrific. So there was a special election to fill the seat. Democrat named Pat Ryan ran against a guy named Mark Molinaro. And I have to tell you, you know, I'm a dork. I followed this election pretty closely. I was watching election Twitter over the past few days, and almost no one expected Pat Ryan to win. There was a lot of, you know, machinations and calculations about what it would mean if he got close. But really, almost nobody expected him to win. And he won. He won by over two points. And it was another political earthquake. And I want to play for you the first ad that Pat Ryan started his campaign with. And he started running this campaign on June 24th, 2022. Now that day, you may recall, the United States Supreme Court, the Republican extremists on the Supreme Court, decided to take rights away from over half the population. That's the day they issued that despicable decision in Dobbs. Let's play Pat Ryan's ad. When our country called, he served. Pat Ryan graduated from West Point and risked his life in combat 
fought for our families, for our freedom. And freedom includes a woman's right to choose. How can we be a free country if the government tries to control women's bodies? That's not the country I fought to defend. I'm Pat Ryan, and I approve this message because in Congress, I'll fight to protect all of our freedoms. Yeah, that's the ad he started running on June 24th. There has been a lot of, there was a lot of discussion in political circles. Would this decision, would the Dobbs decision matter? Would it change anything? There were a lot of Democratic consultants who didn't think so. There were a lot of probably Democratic leaders who didn't think so. There certainly were a lot of Republicans who were completely unbothered and were finally thinking, we finally achieved what we promised our voters for decades. And the entire almost the entire D.C. punditry, a lot of them men. I got to just be frank about it. A lot of them are guys. The guys didn't think it was going to make a difference. Abortion wasn't going to make a difference. The world changed that day. And the punditry is still catching up. And it really was a huge win last night. And this is coming on a series of special elections where Democrats are outperforming more than anyone could have expected. This was supposed to be a red wave year, you guys. This was going to be the red wave. The Republicans have been so cocky about it. They've just been so smug. They keep talking about what they're going to do when they take over Congress. And a lot of it has nothing to do with policy, has nothing to do with anything that will help people. They want to attack Biden. They want to attack Merrick Garland. They want to attack Anthony Fauci. That's all. That's all. That's all they want to do. They don't don't have any like concrete plans. Although in the Senate, Rick Scott, the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the one who is like spending all their money and is now on a vacation over in the Mediterranean, he did lay out a plan that would uh, basically end Medicare and Social Security. So there is that. But Republicans, they have been so cocky what we're going to do when we take control. Well, it's a whole different world because you know what? They got what they wanted. They got what they wanted when Roe versus Wade was overturned. That's exactly what they said they were going to do. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe it would matter. They just wanted to appease their right wing extremist Christian nationalist based. And look what's happening now. I'll tell you, it's just been really quite something to watch the shift in the punditry. Dave Wasserman, who writes at the Cook Report, Cook Political Report, which is one of the Bibles of the political world. Everyone wants to know what the ratings are and how races are rated. Dave Wasserman covers the House. A couple weeks ago, his colleague, Amy Walter, who's the editor-in-chief, basically said it's just a matter of how big the GOP's margin in taking the House is, okay? That was just a couple weeks ago. I'm going to play a clip from Amy Walter from this weekend, too, and just later in the show. But this is what David Wasserman wrote today. In May, Cook Political's House outlook was a GOP gain of 20 to 35 seats. Based on recent developments, we've revised our outlook to a 10 to 20 seat GOP gain, with Dems maintaining control not out of the question. That's for the House, you guys, for the House. The Senate's already been looking good. Now you've got Dave Wasserman saying, huh, maybe they will take control. Over at 538, 
another one of the sites, the prognosticator sites. We all check to see what the what the predictions are. Nathaniel Ratkich wrote today, in your typical midterm election with an unpopular Democratic president, you'd expect Republicans to be flying high. But the evidence is mounting that the national political environment right now actually leans towards Democrats. That is huge. It is leaning towards us. We have to capitalize on it. We have to keep our foot on the gas. We have to make this happen. In just a few minutes, in this hour, we're going to be talking to Marie Glusenkamp-Perez. She's a candidate for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District. This was not supposed to be a competitive seat. It was held by a woman named Jamie Herrera-Butler. She's had that seat for a while, a Republican incumbent. Washington State had their primaries a couple weeks ago. Marie came in first. Jamie Herrera came in third. The top two candidates go into the general election. Marie Glusenkamp-Perez is running against a guy named Joe Kent, who is as extreme as you can get in the GOP, and that's saying a lot. This race was considered a safe Republican race a couple weeks ago. Now it's lean Republican, according to the Cook Report. It's very competitive, very much in play. And the other big news builds on momentum. We have seen so much momentum from Democrats over the past few weeks. The passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, the passing of the Chips and Science Act, the passage of that mental health and gun reform bill. Democrats have been delivering. Joe Biden's approval ratings going up. And today, Joe Biden took massive action on student loan debt. It was very, very big deal. It's a landmark debt forgiveness program and extends the amnesty period until the end of the year. It's $10,000 for most borrowers, $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. Now, there's a cap, 125,000 individuals, 250,000 jointly. But there's also going to be changes to the repayment program that are going to be very significant. It would cap undergrad loan repayments at 5% of monthly income. For many loan repayments, it's 10, 15, 20%. In the next hour of the show, we're going to be joined by Melissa Byrne, who has been on the front lines of getting student debt cancellation, turning it into reality. She's the executive director of We the 45 Million. I can't wait to talk to her in the next hour. We're going to take a break. We come back. I want to play some clips from President Biden today. I also will get on the phones and take your calls. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on Tell Me Everything. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So glad I just talked to David in Nevada before our next guest, because David got us all riled up about the importance of keeping the House for Democrats. Our next guest is in a position to take a Republican-held seat in Washington's 3rd District. So glad to be joined right now by Marie Glusenkamp Perez. Marie, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad you could join us. Your race has certainly become, you know, one of these races that no one had on their radar screen. And now we (laughs) all need to pay very close attention. So take a few minutes and just introduce yourself to our SiriusXM Progress audience. Yeah. So um, I am a rural Democrat, a dying breed. I live in unincorporated Skamania County out here in Uh, southwest washington i own an auto repair and a machine shop with my husband i also have a degree in economics from reed college and i'm one of our state's four electeds to the dnc i'm also one of skamania county's axe throwing champions um so i uh you know wait wait you just can't you just can't (laughs) slide past that one you're an axe throwing champion tell us more well, I come from a long line of loggers on my mom's side of the family, and uh, we have a really big timber carnival here every year that I compete in. I love that. I love that. Sorry to interrupt you. That I just had to. I I just love stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It is a great show. Come down for it some year. So, um, the thir- Washington's third district seat that's been held for s- several terms by. Incumbent Republican Jamie Herrera Butler, she lost in the primary. Uh, tell tell us where it is, just so people can get it situated in their heads. Where in uh, Washington State are, are, are is your district? Yeah, so we're southwest Washington. So we are in the Columbia River, is the southern border between Oregon and Washington. And uh, so Vancouver is the biggest city in the district, across from Portland, uh, and uh, it goes all the way to the ocean. So. Um, Vancouver's the big, the big city. We have a lot of timber, uh, lots of uh, fishing and crabbing and oysters out in the ocean, and formerly a lot of paper mills. And one of the things that really got you know got me in this race, uh, one of our biggest paper mills here shut down in Washougal, and Jamie Herrera Butler, bless her heart, you know her solution to that was to email us all invitations to a job fair, you know. There were 11 employers at that job fair, one of whom was selling Tupperware. You know, it's like you're not going to put your kids through college or put away money for retirement selling Tupperware, right? And so we've just seen a real loss of family wage jobs, um, jobs that uh, you can raise a family on. And, you know, my husband and I work in the trades. We've seen a, you know, a wholesale collapse. You know, the best technical and career high schools got turned into uh, computer programming. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have hired a computer programmer this year, but I bet you've hired a lot more car mechanics. And so looking at a good, um, you know, return to the skills that can't be offshored 
the things that make our small businesses and communities thrive is a, is a big focus. And, you know, I just have to say, I'm just so damn tired of Fox News telling us uh, what Democrats look like. I'm so tired of seeding the ground of, you know, rural communities like mine, um, of the trades of uh, Latinos and Spanish speakers like us. You know, um, we cannot give up that ground. And so I'm out here fighting the fight uh, against a, an extremist that swept in and uh, knocked Jamie out of the race. And to put a fine point on it, your opponent is one of the most extreme Republicans running for Congress. Um, my good friend David Nywart, who covers right-wing extremism, uh, was quoted in the AP saying, many Republican politicians play footsie with right-wing extremism. Kent is just unabashed about it. That's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah he's got him on, their, on his staff. I mean, it's, it is, um, this is the man who believes we should uh, arrest Fauci, defund the Department of Education, uh, impeach Biden, build the wall. I mean, it is it is all the bad ideas in one candidate. And and like, let's be clear, this is the most extreme candidate we have ever nominated in Washington state. And he is so far out of line with this district's values. Uh, this has created a huge opening to put a pro-choice Democrat in Congress. Really interesting. And and I mentioned at the start of the show, you know, the political prognosticators, they do the ratings. This would considered a safe Republican district. It's moved all the way over in one fell swoop to lean Republican. That so rarely happens. And that means it is very much in play. So, Marie, you are campaigning around. What are you hearing from the voters in the third district? What are their concerns? What are their worries? What What are people telling you? Well, I mean, Roe was absolutely a watershed in this race. Um, you know, Jamie uh, voted, you know, she, she wrote an amicus brief in support of Roe. And so that really riled up the Democratic base here. But following that, um, you know, everyone is just shocked uh, that Joe Kent has made it onto the ballot. I mean, Republicans included. I mean, this is, is so far right of, of what they are used to seeing in this district. Uh, they want nothing to do with this. I mean, um, they are seeing uh, election deniers on the ballot, and it's just that's just not what we go for here in southwest Washington. It is so far out of line. So it's interesting because it's like um, what, what you just said was, you know, you, had, you mentioned Roe and then kind of the extremism, and that, that's a pretty powerful combination. Are you finding uh, the Democratic base motivated this year? I mean, this, I would think in your district, you're, you know, the Democrats particularly, and you work with them through the DNC, are thinking this is, we have a chance here. We have a real chance. Yeah, people, people are, are fired up, you know, especially in rural districts. We've never seen, um, you know, we have never seen a candidate not from Clark County, which is our big county here, um, be nominated to this role. And so the rural Democrats are fired up. And the folks working in the trades are fired up. They're so relieved to see someone who works for a living, who understands what it's like, you know, to work in a shop with no AC all day and um, really get, you know, how tough it is with prices going up. And so uh, people are there's just been a real wellspring. I mean, there is no comparison to, you know, the level of volunteers that we've seen coming through um, the support from all across the political spectrum. 
Um, this is one of the most strongly independent districts in the state, and the independents are showing up really fiercely for us. That's really terrific. So what, what's really find interesting is um, the uh, the way you describe yourself as a rural Democrat in kind of in the context of how Fox News, and I would say, think a lot of people in Washington just have this, Washington, D.C., the other Washington, have this kind of <laughs> stereotype of rural voters, and it's usually a white guy in a pickup truck wearing a cowboy hat. And that is so far from the truth. Talk a little bit about that, because you are really the the absolute, you bust that conventional wisdom wide open. Yeah, you know, I get my water from a well. I get my internet from a radio tower. Um, And that's because the Republican Party has voted against infrastructure bills that would have resolved those problems. Um, You know, uh, I am down here, you know, our house almost went up in a wildfire. Um, you know, you want to talk about climate change on the ground? That's a great starting point. And so I think that we've really seeded ground and and let, uh, like I said, let Fox News control the narrative. And it's a huge mistake because, you know, candidates like me really can speak to the values and the lived experience of, of voters all across the spectrum and really uh, hold space for what Democrats can bring to the table. It's, it's so critical. And it, it is interesting. The uh, you mentioned, you know, your your host home was almost uh, destroyed in a fire. And we know in the West fires have been just mm-hmm. these past few years have been mm-hmm. horrific and destroying mm-hmm. a lot of properties. And we know in rural communities like in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, we had the floods mm-hmm. that killed a number of people like it's not like climate change is really happening and you're seeing it up close. And it's not abstract for us anymore, you know, and it's, it is imperiling the way that we live. You know, I've got to shut the shop down. You know, we never used to have days like this above a hundred degrees for a couple of days at a stretch. And we've got to shut the shop down. You know, we can't work it um, on, on hot cars like that. And it's a real hit on the economy and it's coming home, coming home to roost in a way that, it's not just about the ambassador species. It's it's not just about the watersheds. It's it is um, tangible in a way that we've really got to harness if we want to make this relevant to the lives and to the voting habits of, of people in our districts. Is it is it something that um, you know people are talking about when 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 people talk about the fires and talk about the heat? Do they make that connection to climate change? You said it's not abstract. You're living it. What's the conversation like among people in the in the district? It's it is really varied. You know, I think I think one of the one of the things that's really gained traction, you know, is discussions around um, bringing back cardboard and paper, and that is a really tangible way that we can take you know, take a, a role in the fight on climate change and pollution. I mean, you know, for, for folks that are worried about microplastics showing up and uh, placentas and every human tissue and all of this stuff, I mean, one of the big roles is we've got to replace plastic packaging with cardboard and paper. And, you know, this is one of the biggest paper producing or was one of the biggest paper producing districts in the country. And so, you know, having that conversation about what it looks like to have a green job. You know, it's not just people running, you know, recycling centers. It is mechanics stopping an oil leak from going in the river. It is electricians wiring in a heat pump. Um, It is, you know, the technical skills and family wage jobs that we've got to reinvest in. 
so important. I'm actually from Maine, and Maine was a major paper uh, industry state, too. And so many of the mills shut down. And when a mill shuts down, and it's what you just experienced, it really changes a community. It it devastates a community because the the it's not only the job provider for the people who work there, but the ancillary businesses and everything else. It just it really has an impact. And you know, and every just even what you just said. I mean, the microplastics and realizing paper and cardboard can be such a make such a change in that such really real life thing that would impact your district. Yeah, and I think and I and I think that's really the strategy that we need to be taking is these deep listening and, and being relevant to people's lives, being part of the solution. Um, you know, I. Uh, ran for county commission in Samania County and, and really, and you know, I door knocked almost every door in that county and really learning to listen, really learning what's relevant. It's, you know, um, nobody wants to hear that you're with the government and you're here to help. You know, they, they want to know that you're their neighbor and, and you are listening to them and, and what's hurting them is hurting you. And, and um, that you've, you've got the wherewithal to fight it. You know, I'm not taking corporate pack checks and that's another issue that, is, is really relevant and, and, and really um, important to a lot of folks, that we can be honest dealers, that we can be really transparent about uh, our interests and who's supporting our races. It's so important. And the, the, the corporate money is flowing, and it's going to flow more. <laughs> the Republicans are sending out the, the signals that they're in trouble because they're not able to raise the small donor money, which brings us to an important point. Marie Glusenkamp Perez, how can our listeners help you take this Republican seat and turn it into a Democratic seat? Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, I I need your help. I need we've got to have small dollar donors, um, folks from across the country standing up and say that we're not going to let a fascist take office here. You know, once they get a hold, let me tell you, it's about 10 times more expensive to get them out of offices than it is to stop them from getting there. And this is one of this is the most competitive congressional district where we can keep an extremist out. You know, Warren Boebert's relatively safe uh, compared to this seat. So is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Joe Kent is right in their alley. He's exactly in that lane. And, and we can stop him before it starts. And so the best way uh, for folks to donate is right on my website. It's marieforcongress.com, all spelled out, M-A-R-I-E, for congress.com. And there's an act blue link right at the top. It's really important. And, you know, uh, Marie, we've seen the kind of pundits and prognosticators start to say, geez, Democrats might be able to hold their own in this election. We're going to be able to keep the House by keeping what we have, but we need to expand it and we need to take some Republican seats. And Washington's third congressional district where you are running is one of those great opportunities. I'm really so happy you could join us tonight because I wanted our I wanted our Sirius XM Progress listeners to know about this race. It really, you know, it's real, you were running anyways, but it really became so much more important when, like you said, the fascist who cavorts with white nationalists and is proud of it, Joe Kent, um, won the primary. So MarieForCongress.com, at, on Twitter, at MGP for Congress. Thank you so much for talking to us tonight, Marie. I've really uh, enjoyed getting to know you a little better, and thank you for sharing your story. What a pleasure, Joe. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, let's talk again. Keep in touch with all of us here on SiriusXM Progress. My name's Joe Sedby. Let's take a break. We'll be back, and we'll get back on the phones.
This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So throughout the show, and actually all day on this channel, we have been talking about the action that President Biden took today on student loan debt. A really important action, and it happened because of a lot of activism from a lot of people. And one of the people that made it happen is joining us right now, Melissa Byrne. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you could be here on this day. First of all, how are you doing? I am. It's like overwhelming. It hits me that 20 million people will have their all of their student loan debts erased because of work I helped on. I mean, how often do you get to help 20 million people really have a chance to have a good life? Well, not very often. And I just got goosebumps when you said that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing yeah. that. And it's obviously not a complete victory, but most things aren't. But it's right. one where we can honestly say that 20 million people have an amazing chance of a life now. And now we only have to complete it for 25 more million people. So, you know, once you get 25 million people done, like we can get the rest done easy. So a, a lot of work went into getting to this day. And, you know, we had seen resistance. We had heard rumors from the White House there was resistance. Let's, let's just start with the campaign to make it happen and talk about some of the work you and your colleagues have done over the past year and a half during the Biden administration to get us to this point. Yeah. So one, for me, it started literally 12 years ago in August when I went to a meeting with my boss and then got called out for having student loan debt and then left the meeting being like, well, I'm just going to get rid of everyone's debt and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but for the last, so I, as a lot of people know, I worked on, I worked on the Bernie campaign. So twice because I saw, as soon as I, I got an email in like March, May of 2015, where the email, the gimmick of the email was tell us your student debt story. And it clicked in my head that, Bernie, Bernie's campaign would be the best avenue to cancel student loan debt. Um, the best that Bernie's campaign would be the best avenue 
to do was student loan debt and free college. And so I worked for him twice. And the second time he put out the bill for free public college and for free and canceling all student loan debt. And then we did, you know, we did a really good campaign, but we came up a little bit short. So then the mission became, how do we convince President Biden to cancel student loan debt? So how did you convince President Biden (laughs) to get to this point? Um, So the way that we did this is part of understanding President Biden is that he really believes in working with people. And sometimes it's frustrating when he's like, I'm going to work with Republicans to get things done. And I'm like eye rolling because I'm like, oh, my God, Republicans. I don't even like to admit like the Republican senators exist. (laughs) Uh, But that's actually an opening because if he's willing to work with these like horrible people in the Republican Party in the Senate, I mean, it's really easy to work with us. Like, we're super awesome. Like, we want to save democracy and we want to get student student loans canceled. So it was a lot of just, like, understanding, like, getting to know the people in the administration, getting to understand what the concerns were. And his first day in office, one of the first things he did was extend the student loan pause. So he kept acting in good faith the entire time. And when you have a president that acts in good faith, that makes it really easy to organize. Because you understand the ground rules are good faith. So I, the group that I started, because I'd been working on student debt in different capacities for about 10 years, like 11 years. So then last year, I launched an actual organization and a brand. And so the first thing we did was we put up signs, like these really pretty signs that spelled out cancel student debt on the ellipse of the White House to have an image that kind of told the story of like the White House, the president needs to cancel student loan debt to be the stock photo to help tell the story of what we need to have accomplished. And when we saw that reconciliation wasn't passing the Build Back Better part last summer, and we were coming up on the deadline for loans being turned back on, we started doing a monthly action at the White House. And it kicked off in the middle of December of 2021, where we showed up at the White House at 8 in the morning with a brass band, at the staff entrance for the senior staff entrance and for two hours we had a brass band playing awesome music and we had cute signs and volunteers who have student loan debt and we did that once a month and tomorrow we're going to be doing it again with a thank you message <laughs> so a big part of it was just being persistent having our images in the media so basically there was, one thing i noticed early last year was that there was a dearth of images to tell the story of cancellation so when people were writing about cancel, when reporters were writing about cancellation and student debt, they were using images that were like 10 years old. And there were like two images. One was someone with a ball and chain, chain and some, one person dressed up as like Zaro as like master of debt. And there were no real images and stock photos of people doing protests and demanding cancellation from the president. So that's what one of our goals was. So that way, any media outlet that wanted to talk about cancellation had the right kind of images and work to go along with it. And then by doing that, we also got FaceTime with with the administration. And who doesn't like when they walk into work to hear really awesome music and like talk to happy advocates? Yeah. Uh, I have been with some people who've protested outside of the White House who weren't so happy and weren't sending good messages. It's a, it's a really, but it really matters. And what what's really, uh, I think a lot of people have to understand is how hard it is when you are trying to get your friends to do something because 
you know, you want to, you said that you had the guardrails, you knew he was going to, but, you know, it's really hard to push your friends because they don't want to be pushed. <laughs> and yeah. and the way you did it, the creative ways you've done it, just really, you know, you put it in front of their faces, you let them know you were there, you reminded them every month. It's really critically important. You can't underestimate the value of that. Um, yeah. It's a psychic value, I, really. Right, and a big part of it, if I would have been with a big organization, they're going to be like, ew, why are you going to do that? You're not going to get like on the front page of the New York Times each time. But like the point right. wasn't to get on the front page of the New York Times each time. The point was just to be relentless in a way that was annoying, but not something they're going to hate. And that just kind of helps. The other thing we did is, um, because I do political work, I know how important surrogates are. So it was reaching out to the people who were surrogates provided on the campaign to be like, yo, can you support student loan cancellation? Your voice is really important. So it's about, you know, finding those kinds of voices and, you know, organizing in a way that, you know, hard on the facts, nice on people. Hard on the facts, nice on people. It's so great. So um, when did you first know that, you know, we started seeing rumors this week. When did you first know this is real and what was in it? Talk about that a little bit. So I knew it was real, not the details, um, when in December they announced the pause was being extended until April, because originally they thought they were going to pass Build Back Better at the end of February, beginning of March. So that's when I caught on that they kept extending the pause until right past when they thought Build Back Better was going to pass. So then it became, okay, let's get reconciliation passed. Yeah. <laughs> so that way we would get to cancellation. So and that's what happened. So the big number we were hearing this week was 10,000 with 125,000 means test. But really, Melissa, it is so much more than that. Um, it is a much more robust plan than what people were tweeting about uh, yesterday and the day before. Talk about that, about the key pieces of it and yeah, how I mean that will impact people. Yeah, so one of our strategies as advocates where I kept tweeting and other people kept talking is that we were running through the tape. So it didn't matter what was being leaked about a decision. Like, we weren't going to stop advocating until the decision was made, yeah. until we were officially told this is the decision. And I think that's different because lots of times advocates, if they hear this, they think that a decision has been made, they start pulling back. And our whole point was, like, we run through the tape. And that's our obligation to the 45 million borrowers. Because it's not, you know, yes, as an organizer, and I am impacted. I have a lot of student loan debt. It's been very negatively impacted on my life. But every day, the thing I would think about is I'm accountable to all these people who have student loan debt who just can't open up their phone and text somebody who wants to put light out. So that's something I was just very acutely aware of, like, every single day of the last 18 months and really longer. So that's kind of, that That was a big part of it. And, um... When you look at the package and you mentioned the 20 million people have been just have their debt eliminated, what are some of the other key provisions that you think people should know about and will have a positive impact? Yes, I think the way they have they, they were able to add on a racial equity component via having the Pell Grant recipients who are disproportionately black, uh, black borrowers and Hispanic Latino borrowers. To get the extra $10,000 of cancellation is really good. And it's also important how they give you two different years in which to use your income for your, because you have to have a, a um, AGI, a gross income um, 
of under $125,000 a year. I personally and all of, literally all of the advocates were against having a means test. We think it's very complicated, but there is a lot of political pressure. People are very afraid of, God forbid, like one wealthy person getting a benefit. That's something that requires a little bit more long-term change in Washington thinking. But, you know, we, this is a big win. So we had to, you know, sometimes you just got to take like a little thing you don't like and then work to make it better afterwards. Other parts were changes to the income defined entertainment plan. So it'll be like 5% of adjusted gross income uh, for, I believe for some boroughs, it'd be for 10 years. For some, it might be up to 20. And they are tweaks. They're doing tweaks on PSLF, and a lot of this is still. These are now stepping stones for a way to go forward. Because there's a lot more we have to do. And so one thing I keep telling everybody is that this isn't the end of the fight for higher education equity. If anything, this is day one, because we've had 50 years of defunding higher education, and we've had 50 years of moving towards loan-based higher education that hurts families. That can't write a check for 200 grand to pay for their kids college so this is day one of the new work of for higher education and it has been i i mentioned i mentioned throughout the show i was in college when reagan started you know cutting back on the federal government's commitment to higher education and it has been that long he had done the same thing in california and this is the step in the right direction so if people want to stay involved, make it more of it, how do they do that? How do, how do people continue to help? Well, if you're enjoying listening to me, you should go to cancelstudentdat.org and sign up for my organization, and you'll get updates. You can also follow me on Twitter at M-C-B-Y-R-N-E. Most importantly, if you have student loan debt that's federal, go to studentaid.gov backslash debt relief and stay in touch with that page. So you can get all of the debt relief that you're entitled to. And if you work for a nonprofit, for the military, for government, make sure you're going to the website for PLA, Public Service Loan Forgiveness Waiver, because that deadline is October 31st. Like, get all of the cancellation that you're entitled to, and then text everybody. When the government does something that works for you, text everybody that you know that you got your student loan debt canceled, that you're in line to get your student loan debt canceled. We need to make sure that everyone knows that government is working right now. So that way, when we go back to demand more, we can say, like, we have 20 million happy people. We have 60 million happy family members and friends. And that really helps us the longer. And we need to make sure that we keep the House in October. We need to make sure that we keep the Senate because I want to be able to have this, the Congress pass a free public college bill. And then I want the president to be able to do another round of cancellation. So it's really, you know, all of these wins feed upon wins. We keep saying the phrase is like winning begets winning. And that's where we're at right now. And, and, and these wins, like you said, just have direct impacts on people's lives. You improve the lives of so many millions of people through your work. Melissa Byrne, just really, I, I'm just really deeply honored that you could join us tonight. I know it's been a busy day. I've been following you on Twitter. These, and just watching it all unfold. Um, thank you and congratulations. Um, thank you for having me. This is such a great way to top off the night. And we're going to be at the White House at 8 in the morning with thank you signs and let's keep fighting. 
Let's keep fighting. Thank you so much, Melissa Burns, at mcburns on Twitter, cancelstudentdebt.org. Thanks so much for talking to us. We're going to be back in just a few minutes here on SiriusXM Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We've been talking a lot about the abortion issue tonight and the reality that abortion has been the abortion ban the Supreme Court wants to impose on the nation, basically, taking away the right to abortion in Roe v. Wade. And it's so much of it is left to the states. And there are so many states that are trying to pass, they're all trying to outdo each other and pass more extreme laws. And we're seeing so many stories of women and girls who are impacted by these extreme laws. The Biden administration has attempted to use its authority when it can to protect women. And a couple weeks ago, they issued a rule that would protect women who would need emergency care for abortion. Emergency care, right? Like to save the life of a woman, the Biden administration said hospitals can't prevent emergency care if an abortion is necessary pregnant woman needing emergency care, right? We've seen a lot of stories about this. Some of the stories of women that have been told they have to carry their dead fetuses. It's, it's just been, it's reality, right? And it happens a lot, and it's going to happen a lot more. So the Biden administration issued this rule. Ken Paxton, who's the attorney general of Texas, challenged it. Of course, he went to a Trump judge. This is what Ken Paxton does, the attorney general, which is why he must lose in November. And he can lose. He's running against a Democrat named Rochelle Garza. Media in Texas is saying this is the best chance for Democratic pickup. I think Beto O'Rourke can win, too. But Rochelle Garza is giving corrupt Ken Paxton a real run for his money. He went to court to block that rule from taking a place. Like, he didn't want women who need emergency care to be able to get abortions in hospitals. And he got a judge, he found a Trump judge, and it was blocked. That happened today. Also today in Idaho, a court actually sided with the Biden administration and blocked part of an Idaho law that would criminalize performing an abortion on a woman to protect her health. So this ruling is in conflict with what happened in Texas. The Texas ruling, instead of doing a national 
injunction, which is what Ken Paxton wants. He wants and he doesn't want to just kill women in Texas. He wants to kill women around the country. But the judge said, I'm going to limit it to Texas. Obviously, this decision in Idaho blocking the Idaho law is specific to Idaho. But it does show the Biden administration is going into courts and fighting. And it also shows how important appointing more judges is and how which is what we Democrats really need to keep cranking through those judges and getting more judges in some of these states, because in some of these places, Ken Paxton knows if he files a lawsuit in one particular district in a in a region of the state, he'll get a Trump judge. But, you know, now we are seeing how important it is to elect good attorneys general as well, because you get a attorney general like Ken Paxton in Texas, and he, it's like shocking the depths of his depravity and like trying to protect women in emergency care is all the Biden administration asked for. And he said, that's too much. I mean, think about it. It's like they want women to die. It's like they're just making it clear. And you see them, you see Republicans around the country and they're talking about, they're getting asked questions. What about the life of the mother? Well, you know, they, they, they use a lot of wiggle words, but they don't want to defend the life of the mother. They don't care about rape victims. How about that candidate for governor in Michigan, the Republican, who talked about the relationship that could exist between a rapist and a child? Jesus Christ. That's the thing about the abortion issue that I don't think a lot of the pundits and prognosticators got. Republicans aren't going to be done with it until they have complete control. They don't care how extreme they are. This is their issue. This feeds their base. And we all have to watch it and we all have to see it. It's dangerous. It puts women's lives in danger. And they don't care. Republicans don't care about you or your family, anyone. It's, it's so blatantly obvious. But they're not backing down. And we can't either. We cannot back down. You guys, talk to you soon. This is Joe Sudbay.